0: Hi, welcome to the Brothers F Bookcast. Uh, I'm here today. I'm Andres Fernandez. I'm here with Francisco. Um, we're, we're here to discuss the uh, the death of Ivan Ilyich by Tolstoy. Uh, we're just going to dive a little bit into the book, talk about sort of the themes, decisions the author made, etc.
1: And and I don't know, just discuss. All right. So, so what did you think of the book?
0: Uh, first impressions were, were, it's a little depressing. Um, I know no. Russian literature has this reputation. Um, but like, I, it's like, it really is just like a tough, tough book. I wouldn't say it's a tough book to read. It's actually like, it's very well written. The translation I read was, was well done. And it was like, interesting to read the whole way through. But you you sort of like you, you you pick yourself up from the pages and you're like, oh my goodness, this this guy, oh Lord. Um, so yeah,
1: depressing read, but I liked it. I don't know. What about you? I so I had less luck with the translation. I I bought the ninety nine cent version on Kindle, and I think uh, I think that is a, maybe resulted in a less sparkling translation of the book. I see. Um,
0: Did you enjoy reading it or?
1: I did I didn't I did enjoy. I did enjoy the book. I, I enjoyed it very much um I particularly liked the way he the way he analyzes the character's self-presentation. How they're always putting on a front. Um and that 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 cues in right in the first scene of the book at um right so this this the death of ivan Ilyich. uh yeah. like you know, no spoilers here, guys. Um, guys, <laughs> yeah, he's dead. It's it's over. Um, and at, at the beginning of the book, he's already dead, right? So the book is not does not go in chronological order. It starts with his funeral. So there's no you know there's no there's no plot suspense here. You're not you're not waiting to see if he survives his illness. In that sense, the book is a little like death itself. The conclusion is inevitable. Um, so.
0: Yeah. And, you know, like, he could have just, I, I don't know, like, he could have just named the book, like, Ivan Ilyich, and there would be some level of suspense, is he going to survive or not? But it was like, you know, he he made multiple decisions, the name and the first, you know, first little section to make it abundantly clear that this guy dies. So, um, I don't know, actually, before we, we dip too much more into into just talking about it here, I just give a brief overview of of what the book Uh, sort of goes through. So Fran mentioned that we start off with the, with the funeral and it has sort of a collection, like a collection of government officials who are not particularly sad for Ivan Ilyich. They're kind of just like happy. It wasn't them who died. And they're concerned with other random things. Like did they do everything that they're supposed to do, and are they appropriately dressed? Or I don't know what his, yeah. his widow is busy trying to see how she can get more money out of the government pension system um, as a widow of a government official, etc. Uh, etc. Et and uh, there are details, and it goes on to
1: the life of Ivan Ilyich. It talks about his young character. Before, before we move on, I mean, yeah. it, it is a pretty brutal own of uh, this guy, right? You know, his friends, his, and these are not just government officials. They're, I mean, they are his colleagues, but they're also his friends. Like he, he hangs out with them. He plays bridge with them. Like they're who he likes to spend his time with or who he liked to spend his time with. And they really do not care. Like they just don't. As soon as they hear the news, they're thinking about uh, how they're going to be promoted or how they'll be able to get their brother-in-law a position now, right? In a sense, it's almost good news, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and and then then as you pointed out, the widow she is also not she is also performing grief. She is not actually particularly upset about the fact that he has died. She is concerned that she will no longer be collecting his salary and wants to maximize what she can get out of the. Uh, out, out of out of the pension system um and there's a there's there's a strange interaction with one of his his uh former uh friends slash colleagues where they're you know she pretends to be grief stricken and asked to speak to him and they're pretending it's about the fact that she's upset and sad that he's died and uh in reality you know nothing of the uh nothing of the sort is going on she she so he the friend is thinking i'm sitting on this uh from there was a there was a weird word for it in the translation but it's basically like a an ottoman and he's sitting on and the entire time they're talking about the death of her husband and his supposed friend and he's sitting there thinking about how awkward it is to be sitting on this thing And she's thinking about how it wouldn't be appropriate for, for her to point out that he shouldn't sit on it. So they're not, you know, no one is grief stricken, but they're performing grief. And uh, eventually she gets to the point, which is, can I get paid more? Again, brutal takedown. Uh... No. Yeah. So it's like, so like, who is this guy? Like, like, like why, like a, why are his friends so terrible? And, uh, B, what, did he, des- what did, he deserve? <laughs> did he deserve? This kind of reaction to his death. Like it's yeah. sort of like he's like a little bit of a Scrooge figure almost. Like, you know, he's like he, he gr- grieved by no one. It's central to the book because because not only are his friends and his is his widow performing, he spends his almost his entire life performing.
0: So that's what it goes into next is his life. Um, it talks about his, uh, his, his sort of, I, I forget exactly where it starts. I think in his childhood, it goes into his, his adult years, says how he was sort of like the golden boy of the family. He went to law school, he had some adventures, he did some crazy things and eventually he meets this woman and it's, you know, uh, I, I remember it's, it's, you know, a little tough to think about, but he's like, he met this woman, and she was pretty, and everybody around him approved of the match. And he thought, well, why not? That is the right thing to do. So they got married, you know? Right. Uh, Again,
1: performing, right? He doesn't. He's not like, oh, I'm going to marry her because I'm in love with her or because I get along with her and I enjoy her company. I'm going to marry her because it is what is expected expected of me, and she seems to be in love with me, so why not? Right. So, you know, he's not, again, he's not making a truthful decision. He's not being uh, honest with himself and he's not being honest with other people. Like his, his his entire, uh, his entire marriage is a, is a sham. Mm
0: -hmm. So it discusses that for a while. Talks about how he gets progressively more and more pissed off at his wife. Um, Marriage is not particularly happy. You know, it's not,
1: Yes, it is a Russian novel about death. It is, it's a little more on the somber side.
0: There's, there's a related meme I saw about this a little while back. I will pull it up. It's, it's just right here. The substance of the meme is just four pictures. One of Shakespeare, one of some random French dude, one of, I believe it's Hemingway, and then the last guy is uh, Tolstoy, or some, some Russian dude. So it says, English literature, I will die for honor. French literature, I will die for love. American literature, I will die for freedom. Russian literature, I will die. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, back to it. So we left off at he got married to this woman he didn't really love. He had a marriage, which he didn't really like. He had some children, which it seems he was mostly neutral on. I don't remember any strong emotions he had towards his kids. Except yeah this spirit
1: like a bunch of his kids die. he's not that hung up about it. Um, he doesn't particularly care for his children. like he doesn't love anybody like yeah. even a little. The only
0: things which he really loves at this point in his life are work insofar as it's a good excuse to take him away from his wife who it becomes very naggy and annoying and really he hates being around here and card games. There's a specific card game which he really enjoys. He's good at, and he plays all the time. So that's his life: card games and work, and avoiding his wife.
1: But it's, yeah, and there's you know, he, he he talks about his marriage. He says, "Well, at first it made my life more pleasant, but then I, I realized it was going to interfere with the pleasantness and propriety of my life." And I needed to treat it like my job in which I'm performing a role. So it, as, at this point in his life, I believe he's a, some kind of prosecutor. And he performs a role as prosecutor. And he 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 decides that he's going to reduce his family life interactions to that so as to minimize the inconvenience and unpleasantness of the most important relationships that he has.
0: It's not even like he loves the work, which is terrible, right? It's not like he has this internal drive that he really – is like so into law and prosecution it's like presented as though the only, only motivation he has is to stay away from his wife
1: well he also likes having power over people even if he doesn't use it
0: yeah that's true so so where does that leave us so he, he's a successful prosecutor there is a brief episode where he decides that he's being underpaid There was some like snafu where he got passed up for a job, and he got mad at somebody, and they snubbed him for further jobs. And he was only making three point five thousand rubles a year, which to him was some great injustice. And he got in his head that he needed to get five thousand rubles a year. So he went on the vacation. He couldn't enjoy the vacation because he was so stressed out about this. And he ended up going to some major city with the goal of getting a five thousand. A ruble job and he succeeds somehow he meets somebody somebody died actually, i don't know
1: got it's not, no, someone someone is uh someone new is appointed in the government and takes one of his friends along for the ride which means he's going to be he's going to be one of the cronies he's going to benefit from this new appointment and uh right he, he he goes to the city with the intention of securing that position for himself and it just it, it falls into his lap essentially through luck. And it would seem at the moment that this is, this is a stroke of incredibly good fortune, but as it happens, it's not, right? Because it ultimately leads to his death.
0: Well, arguably. I mean, we'll, we'll get to that. So he, he gets the job, and they, they everything's set up, and they move there. And then he has this wonderful early phase where he's really enjoying himself, where his life is only concerned with decorating the new house he has, which is this beautiful house with. Or an apartment, I don't know, with big, big uh, ceilings and lots of space, and all they really care about is picking out the right curtains and rearranging the furniture and ordering new furniture, and they have a lot of fun with it. And then one day he's sort of like on uh, this on the on the ladder, and he's doing some sort of rearrangement work on the I don't know on the, on the curtains, and he sort of slips and bangs his side and gets a big bruise which he thinks is nothing. And then this is where things start to go south because even though at the time it was something very small and he, he brushed it off because, quote-unquote, he was a strong man, um, this slowly gets worse and worse and worse over the course of, I don't know, months, years. I, I forget the exact timeline friend. Um, But this ends up being what, what ultimately causes the death of Ivan Ilyich is there's a sort of this this thing in his side which slowly saps his strength and makes him unwilling to eat makes him too weak to move around um so but for a while this is just sort of like a annoying a pain that doesn't really restrict him and he goes to see a bunch of doctors and he goes to see like he continues his job at the court and he sees more and more doctors and they all patiently explain to him that oh this is fine you just have a floating kidney and we'll treat it with this or let me analyze your urine and tell you what's wrong with you and this continues for a long time um did i miss anything there friend
1: no i i i don't i don't think so i i i think uh i mean i think it's interesting how he knows how the doctors treat him exactly the same way he treats um accused people in his court right he, he's got He's got this extreme formalism, right? He's you know in in his job there there's there's a passage where he talks about how he treats people and he says that you know if someone comes to him looking for information and it's not in his job description he won't he will literally do nothing for them, but if if they come to him and it's something in his purview he'll act and he will he will help that person right, but it's only because that's his role right he, he's fulfilling his his what society expects of him. But if it's not expected of him, he's not going to help this other person. And the doctors are treating him in a very similar way. The doctors have a defined social role and they, and they, and they have a way of talking with patients. So, and and that, that way includes a certain amount of, of dishonesty, right? They're, they're, they're not going to cut to the, the core of the issue with him is how sick am I? Am I going to live or die? No one really wants to have a conversation about that.
0: This ends up being something that really annoys him, especially at the end, once he, it finally starts to hit him that like, this is death. Is that nobody tells him like you're dying. They all say, Oh, well we need to focus on this and we're worried about that. And we need to make sure he takes his medicine and give him his opium and all these things. Or they have these conversations about like the latest singer at the opera, right? It's like the same sort of really routine conversations, repeating the same ideas of the sort which he would have had in his normal life back in the day and would probably continue to have if he weren't dying. But now that he's dying, these things so annoy him because he's like, won't somebody just pity me? I'm dying. Can someone just say that? You're dying and, and be with me? Um, so one one important figure for him there at the end is Gerasim, who's like this Russian peasant who's one of his, his butler or something, or one of his servants. Um, and this is a guy who like really does pity him and like goes out of his way to stay by him, even when he says, no, you're free to go. He says, no, I'll stay with you. I'll I'll help you because it's fine. This is this is you, you need me here right now.
1: Um, so yeah, that would be a big point. of he wants, to be, he wants to be treated like a sick child. Right. He wants someone to, to take pity on him and love him. And. Because everyone in his life is so concerned with performing their social role, no, one, no one's going to treat him like a human being and no one's going to tell him the truth except apparently for um, Garasim or however you pronounce it. Or Gerasim, it's tough to know how you pronounce these Russian names. Uh, and uh, he's, he's willing to acknowledge the truth of the fact that his, his uh, boss is dying. And he's willing. He's willing to. He's willing to serve him. I mean, you know, um, he 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 holds up his legs for what sounds like hours at a time because that's a more comfortable position for him. And I don't think the like thing is actually about the pain, or there's anything magical about his legs being elevated that reduce the pain. I think it's just the fact of having a compassionate person there who cares enough to do something sort of difficult and unpleasant
0: yeah that's all he wants and like it takes him a while for him to realize this but he just really wants to be you know somebody to feel bad for him instead of to like sort of get caught up in talking about sort of these these scripts of oh here's his medicine and he hasn't been taking this um, so like he, because of the great unpleasantness he starts to rebel against this the, these scripts that that he and everybody else has been following for most of his life because um, they're just really distasteful for him at a time when he has no more use for them. Like that's it for him. Um, so this is an impetus for him to start to reflect on his life, what he's done, especially in the last few weeks when he's like really starting to like, like this is it. He, he starts like reflecting on everything he's done and he finds it very distasteful. He's like, wow, all these things, which I found enjoyable, All the things which I would go back to doing if I were cured, I can't say, I I forget his exact words, but in essence, he says, I can't say I really enjoyed them. You know, like the only parts of his life he can remember truly enjoying in a way where he would like to stay there forever are parts of his childhood when he was really carefree. And all those many years of card playing and being a government official and doing these court roles, et cetera, I don't know, uh, prosecutor, however it works. He just doesn't really care for them anymore.
1: Yeah, that that's right. I mean, I, I think there is the... Uh, so, you know, I was sort of joking a little bit about how, you know, there's uh, there's not much of a plot to the book, right? The, the, the ending is right there in the beginning, right? It's called The Death of Ivan Ilyich and it starts with his funeral before getting to his life. But I think that the drama of the book is not about... I mean you you know Tolstoy could have written a book about a sick man and there could have been drama about whether or not you're going to live or die and I suppose you could tell a really compelling story about that trying to beat a mysterious illness and maybe maybe he ultimately ends up dying or maybe he ultimately ends up living but it would be a very different sort of novella he tells the story with with, with death at the beginning death as the you know the inevitable conclusion as it is in life and and what he's what he's doing there, I think, is he's giving us an opportunity to read the drama of the book as having to do with Ivan Ilyich's character. Right? So he's he's in this terrible situation. Like, you know, you start the book by finding out that nobody loves him, and everyone in his life is 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 like totally unmoved by his death, including his his widow. And you know, they're all performing these roles. And as you begin to read the the story of his life, you see that he too is performing a role, right? He's existing in this utterly false world where he's, he's almost like an actor, right? He, he can't experience or do anything authentic in his life. And the only moment of true authenticity are the moments before he dies, right? So it, it takes, it takes this like really horrific and painful and humiliating illness, you know, where, where, you know, he can't, he can't have a, a bowel movement without the assistance of his servant grass and a humiliating thing where he's in constant pain and he's, you know, be essentially being lied to and ignored by his doctors and family and friends. And then he, then he finally, finally at the last moment of his life has a moment of authenticity.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a few hints of him like getting there. Right. Or at least like sort of islands of, of, of relief in this sort of like great anguish he's feeling. Because it, it, his, his, his pain at the end is like physical for sure, but also very sort of psychological. Like everything is falling apart, I guess. And the two islands of comfort are garrison like we mentioned. And also there's a moment at the end when his son enters the room and just kisses his palm um that's 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 that that is the real moment i'm referring to oh i see i see i thought you were talking about the very very end which okay yeah spoilers we get to the very end he dies right and there's a moment where he's like in the last three days of his life and he's really in sort of the hell of reliving his whole life and then there comes a moment where he's like oh and he loses the fear of death and he sees the light, or something. I forget the exact.
1: Well, reason. So that, that's cl- that's close enough in time to the uh, moment with his son okay. that will sort of uh, sort of throw that all in together.
0: Okay, that's fair. Um, but like, I don't know. It's a it's kind of a beautiful moment, all things considered, because it's like a slight redemption for this life that is has is otherwise very unremarkable.
1: You know he lives he lives a bad life and like like he's sort of dead inside, so he's sort of he's sort of already dead as he's living, and the only moment of true life with a capital l is his death where he realizes how very wrong he was to live that way, and he sees he sees a a new uh like a new possibility. Like, I, I mean, I think at the end, you know, I think he's seen God. I think he's seen, you know, I think we're, I, I think he might even be having some kind of, you know, uh, definitely a religious experience, but maybe even an yeah. out-of-body experience.
0: Yeah, well, Tolstoy's a little cagey about it, but there's a point at which he, re- he he's confesses and receives, receives communion. And this provides a great comfort to him, at least briefly before he continues to uh, get mad at his wife. Um, but the framing you had there specifically for, like, wow, you know, he was really just dead his whole life, right, until the very end. I mean, this is true of so many things. Like, he was totally dishonest his entire life until the very end, where he finally just got mad at people and told them what he thought, you know? So, like, all these aspects of himself were fake until they became true at the end. And all these parts of his his self were dead until they, like, emerged at the very end. Um, so.
1: I, I said a, a big problem for for him in his life, and one of the big themes of the book is dishonesty. Mm-hmm. And it occurs to me that there's another big theme that isn't as uh, isn't as obvious, but I think it's definitely there. I think that that theme is is service and, versus uh, selfishness. Right? He does live this extraordinarily selfish life, mm-hmm. and everyone around him is much the same, with the exception of Garasim. His last moment where he's, he's, his son is, is, is terrified and crying and he holds his hand. He's trying, he, you know, he's, he's sort of totally incapable of doing it because he's in immense pain and he can barely speak. And when he tries to say, forgive, he says, forgo, but he's trying, he's trying to, uh, he's trying to comfort his son. So he, he comes around. He says to his wife, doesn't he? What's that? He says that to his wife, doesn't he? That, that might be right. That might be right. That
0: well, yeah, the, the specific moment is that he's like, he can barely speak. And I believe his, his wife and his kid come in and he's like, they're, they're all sitting there and he tries to tell his wife that he forgives her. And he doesn't really pronounce it correctly. The translation is rendered, as, as Fran mentioned, as he meant to say forgive, but he just stopped at forego. I don't know what the Russian is, but I'm assuming it's some similar sort of pun there. He says... I, I you know, again, exact phrasing, who knows, um, but he says something along the lines of, she didn't hear it,
1: but the person to whom it matters heard it, you know? it's it, In my translation, it was he with a capital H. Oh, I think mine wasn't he.
0: That makes it very abundantly obvious what's going on, the he with a capital H.
1: Well, I mean, the, 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 the book does have a, a certain quality of, uh, you could almost call it a religious polemic.
0: Mine re- avoids the use of the word he, so they don't yeah. have to take... Because, like, the capital H, he would say, okay, this is God, right? So, for my version, they say, knowing that the one who had to would understand. Which avoids putting a he there and avoids sort of making it explicit what's going on here. And then, once he has that moment of forgiveness, it just all sort of resolves itself in his head. It all becomes, quote-unquote, good and simple.
1: Um yeah.
0: And the I mean, it doesn't
1: bother him anymore. I think, I think, I think it does probably refer to God because the book does kind of have this quality of a little bit of a religious polemic. Like the book is a little like polemical and, and he's got a, he's got a very sort of pro-religion and anti, uh, I would say anti-unbelief uh, point of view, right? There's a point, I mean, Ivan Ilyich is definitely an atheist, right? There's a point in his illness, where he hears about a miraculous icon, which is a, 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 an orthodox religious image. And he uh, he briefly considers it, right? He's like so desperate, he's going to try it. But then he, he pulls himself back and says, oh no, you got to be rational. And his wife has to persuade him to see the priest and confess and take communion at the end of his life. Right? he's he's So he's not... A religious man. I, it's, I think it's pretty clear he's an unbeliever, and I think I think that's one of the things uh, that Tolstoy finds so distasteful about him. Right. So, so he is he is sort of uh, bashing the uh, the irreligion of of this man's life. I mean, there's no question about that in my mind. I mean, it's not uh, an overly prominent feature of the novella, but it's definitely there.
0: Yeah. So here's a question for you, friend. How much of this turned at the very end? And we we could probably suggest that he went to heaven, c- given that he sees light and he says, oh, what joy, right? So, like, the implication is that he saw God, you know, that things worked out. Um, but how much of this is, is, like, his doing, you know? Like, can he be given credit for coming around at the very
1: end? Yeah, I, I I I believe so. I mean, it takes a lot to get him there, right? He has to go through this just horrible and almost unimaginable suffering. Um, he has to be totally humiliated and brought low. But in, in that moment, he's able to have a moment of clarity, and I, I think that is I think that is to his credit, right? He he didn't have to. He could have died differently, right? He could have died in complete bitterness and complete pain, hating his wife and his son, but he did not die that way.
0: And here's the thing is like all the people that he surrounded himself with would have helped him die that way. You know, like the people he chose to have around him his whole life, like for the most part, are the people who would have never prompted him to rethink that. It's only the characters of garrison and his son briefly at the end who get him to rethink it right and only like luck in many ways which gets me thinking about whether maybe tolstoy was thinking about like the action of grace you know through those sacraments that he received at the very end like whether this was like god hatching some elaborate plan to sort of gently coax him along right so like even within that that framing of the story, which is just a framing, I don't think it's necessarily the framing, but he, it's he still deserves some credit for like taking God up on the offer. But it's I, it does make it seem as though he was given like you know,
1: look, a he's, not, encouragement. he's not kind of moral hero. He's an incredibly broken person who whose life does not end as tragically as
0: it could have. Yeah, that's basically the story. Not as tragic as it could have been.
1: Well, no. And, and the book is sort of, you know, a Russian novel about death. It's dark. Weirdly enough, it does have a happy ending, right? It's about this deformity in this man's soul that he overcomes. But I mean, the only way he gets there is by confronting death. And, and, and until then, death had always had a certain kind of unreality, right? He talks about the syllogism all men are mortal. Cassius is a man, therefore Cassius is mortal. He said, well, yeah, it applies to Cassius, but not to me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it worked exactly the same way. It applies to uh, Ivan Ilyich, but not to me. And I think he's inviting the reader to consider that perhaps uh, we should not do to Cassius uh, what uh, Ivan Ilyich, uh, we we should not do to Ivan Ilyich what Ivan Ilyich did to Cassius. Yeah, that's fair. So he's, he's saying, like, you know, I, I mean, this is where the, the novel is, is, you know, even if this stuff is 100% true and profound, it is a little bit didactic and a little bit preachy. It's like, hey, I'm going to die. <laughs> like, but you know, know what? what? Like, okay, when oh, you call it didactic, oh,
0: yeah. it makes it sound, it makes it sound like this really, like, over the, like, incredibly thick over the top,
1: like, this is how you shouldn't live your life. I mean, there's some of that. I mean, to be so honest, I, he I, I, thought, of, that, I mean, I, I realize like, Tolstoy is a literary genius and it's not my place,
0: but I thought some yeah. of it was a How, liberal, how dare liberal. you, Fran? I, who do you think you are? Who, who, who indeed? Um. <laughs> no, okay, here's the thing. You're right. It, it's definitely didactic in that sense. But I think like, you know, two thoughts. You know, A, he's a really good writer. So he kind of pulls that off to the extent you can. And B, the ride along the way is a very nice ride. Like, it's sort of just fun to read about his life, even if it's like there's a lot of, I don't know, like <laughs> you see him making these mistakes and, and sort of like caught up in bad situations. And it's just sort of like a very convincingly drawn character with a lot of texture, right? So the same way you might appreciate a painting it's just very well drawn by going up sort of really close and seeing how well-crafted each of the strokes are, I feel like here in this story, it just you can see that this is a fleshed-out character in a true sense. It's not like he just had this teaching point and then threw up this little straw man of Ivan Ilyich to, to illustrate it. Like He really created someone real.
1: I would say he created someone unreal. Oh, right. let hear it. Um, just in the sense that, right, his whole life is a performance. He never does anything authentic. So, I mean... I guess you know, to to an extent, there are people like that, and maybe to an extent, we are like that. But the 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 weird thing about uh, Ivan Ilyich is how disconnected he is from his own life. Right? He's not mm-hmm. he's not marrying someone because you know he loves her. He's not he's not uh, he's performing a role at work. He's not he's you know he's performing a role as judge and as prosecutor. He's not like you said, he doesn't have any passion for the law. He's not interested in justice, right? He's interested, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's sort of a very positivist judge. He's just, he wants to do everything by the book. He's not interested in the, uh, the substantive merits or mercy for any of the, the defendants that come before him. Um, he likes having power. He likes that people respect him. He likes his role. But he can't. He's he's refusing to be an authentic person within the role. Right. He's refusing to see the people that he works with and has power over as people. Yeah, but when when I described
0: him as a real person, and you said no, he's an unreal person. I feel like that's that's like orthogonal like claims about this person, right? Because to the extent that you could have a really unreal person in your terms, right? I could just say, okay, Ivan Ilyich is a really real and. Well-made portrayal of one of these unreal persons, right?
1: Right. So, so he, like, I would say, he sort of, he becomes a person at the very end of his life. Yeah. This, 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 this story is actually Pinocchio. It's about how even the. <laughs> <laughs> the story uh, of Pinocchio by Tolstoy. Yeah. Well, look, <laughs> like, like you you're, you're not gonna. You're not going to, in my opinion, you're not going to enjoy the book unless you come to see it as the story, not of this guy's death, but of his, uh, moral redemption, right? That that's the entire drama. Like, is this guy at some point in his life going to stop being an asshole? Um, and yeah. not, 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 just an asshole, but like, you know, like, <laughs> like,
0: a. Like, uh, a bad person, or in your words, an unreal person, right? Yeah. But here's the irony is that, you know, you could, you could argue, and this is kind of getting just, you know, playing games with words, but you could argue that what this book is really about is the life of Ivan Ilyich, which he gains right at the
1: end. Right, so <laughs> if, if, you know what it's like? It's like a Christmas carol of Scrooge had died at the end. Like right, once he's having the epiphany, he dies, and there's no there's no heartwarming postlude with Tiny Tim where he's a better person, right? So he's like he 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 has the epiphany, he has this you know these few minutes or moments of realness before his death, and he dies and, and into you know into life with a capital L into life with God, and then uh, everyone around him is completely unaffected. Right, no, no one else has this epiphany. No one else has this experience.
0: Yeah, which disappointed me. I was kind of hoping that at the very end he would like say some words to his son that would like save his son from the same fate. And he just couldn't. He just kind of missed that opportunity because he was too weak.
1: You know. Well, uh, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen to the son because he's not—he's not fully described but we what don't, do we expect to happen to the son? Uh, like, I
0: mean, he lives in this environment where everybody he knows does this sort of fake life and everybody he knows expects him to live this sort of fake life. So how much hope can we have that he's going to realize that this is wrong and avoid it? You know?
1: Well, how much hope could we have had for, uh, for the protagonist? I mean, not a lot. Yeah, that's uh, true. Not a lot. Well, I mean, there, there's, I mean, obviously he's a fictional character, but there is always, there is always hope. But I, yeah uh, i i mean i think I think the uh the person who Tolstoy is trying to get through to is us right yeah you're saying like hey, you're gonna die, maybe that fact uh that that fact should color how you live your life maybe maybe you should reevaluate your priorities based on immortality uh as unpleasant as that is to think about, yeah. So it is. It is definitely you know, there's definitely a strong cautionary tale vibes here.
0: Um, yeah, but it's not again. Like I, I feel like you undersell it when you describe it that way, right? Because it's it's a good read. It's I enjoyed reading this book, right?
1: I enjoyed his description of how fake everyone was being. About I, how what? I thought, I thought the the how. He, the the performative aspects of the book and of the character's lives was just brilliant. It I mean, was,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, the guy going into the funeral and, and he's in the chapel and he's thinking, okay, how many times do I cross myself? I'm crossing myself too much. And now I need to be bowing um, him having this conversation with, with, with uh, Ivan Ilyich's widow where he's just constantly, you know, he's pretending to comfort a bereaved widow who's not actually bereaved. In the meantime, what he's actually thinking about is how, you know, weird the Ottoman, the Ottoman he's sitting on is. Right? So this, like, it's just like levels of, of fakeness that shouldn't even be possible. I mean, I, I don't... Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's to that extent, I think I think the characters are somewhat unrealistic. I, I, I mean, I'd like to think that no one is actually that performative and that fake, but I mean, I guess some people are. Um, but I think I think in, in 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 real life, we're all kind of a mix of both, right? You know we what? Have, I
0: mean this this comparison may seems almost ir- irreverent, but you know the TV show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia.
1: No, I I, I, I not
0: It's a brutal show, really, really tough to watch because these are people who just are like evil, terrible to each other, like a family of five. The dad is Danny DeVito, or sorry, family of four. The mom is not in the picture. I don't know the show very well, but I've tried watching a few episodes and it's just really tough to watch because these people like sabotage each other themselves all the time. Um, It's a comedy, right? So nothing bad ever really happens to them as far as I know. And they sort of, like, go on to fight another day all the time. But I guess in, in the sense that you have these really shallow evil people who are undercutting each other all the time or sort of, like, having these weird manipulative conversations. I don't know. There's some, something to that comparison, I guess. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I just I, – I, I, I know what show you're talking about. I'm just not familiar enough with it to, to say if I agree or disagree. But for sure, can I see elements of uh, my, myself in, uh, in, in Ivan Ilyich? Yeah, for sure. Right? There's definitely, especially at work, I mean, there's a huge performative aspect to my work. And I, I think, you know, I think we all do that to a certain extent. We calibrate what we say and what we do and how we react based on who we're dealing with. Right, you know, Who is this person? What is their status? How much money do they have? Uh, What are their politics? All those things affect how I interact with with these people. So to an extent, my, you know, my personality is a performance. Now, is that always true? No, thank God. But, right, so he's not – do I think – Do I think that, that people as artificial as Ivan Ilyich exist? Well, it's a big world and, and, and human personalities vary greatly. Maybe, maybe such people exist. Uh, but I think, you know, for normal people, I think maybe the, maybe the way to think of it is that this guy's really, in, you know, he's someone you could be. He's an aspect of yourself that you can either cultivate or not.
0: Hey everyone, this is Juan, and I just wanted to make sure that you subscribe to The Brothers F on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you have Facebook, Twitter, or
1: Instagram, make sure to follow us there too. See you next time on The Brothers F.